Hola, and welcome to Word to Your Mama, the podcast that amplifies diverse voices and celebrates shared experiences. Hosted by me, Ritzy P, a Latina creative entrepreneur with a background in art, music, and new web technologies. From Academy Award and Emmy winners to talented healers, passionate activists, innovative artists, and visionary builders, Word to Your Mama attracts a grip of dope individuals who embody the rich diversity of my multicultural tribe. There will be special guests, mad laughs, and absolutely no BS. Is there a chance this podcast could be explicit? Please believe it. Word to Your Mama drops every Monday. Today we have Brian Cross, a.k.a. B+. He's an Irish-born photographer, director, and I like to describe him as a hip-hop archivist, a hip-hop historian, if you will. He's a photographer behind some of the most iconic album covers and iconic photos of hip-hop greats such as Jay Dilla, Biggie, and more. He was also the photo editor of Wax Poetics and Rap Pages, director of photography for the Academy Award-nominated documentary Exit Through the Gift Shop, and some of my fave music films, Keep in Time, Brazilian Time, and Timeless. He also wrote and shot the photos for the book it's not about a salary, rap race, and resistance in Los Angeles. Currently, he's an associate professor in the Department of Visual Arts at the University of California, San Diego, no less. 619. In this episode, we discuss his roots into hip-hop, uh, you know, being born and raised in Limerick, Ireland, going from landscape photography to iconic hip-hop albums. I mean, you know, that trajectory Given access to spaces as a tall white man, I mean, he took photos of the Booyah tribe in the 90s, kids. <laughs> Say less. Directing his first feature in 10 years about the Supremes being stuck in Limerick, Ireland back in 1981. The difference between Irish and Irish American, don't get it twisted, and so much more. So I just want to mention that we recorded this convo back in October, we are now when this episode drops in November and the genocide in Palestine still continues. So as we're talking about it, I just gone up to a certain level. Some shit had just went down. And then B also mentions one of his fave songs, Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues and Kirsty McCole. Unfortunately, just a few days ago, the Pogues frontman Shane McGowan left this world. So rest in power to him and gracias por todo. Per use, you know, we have the convo and then you have the Supernatural Bear Corner. And yes, we still got sweet yams going. It's the cover that Supernatural Bear and I did. And uh, it's going to take us out for the rest of the year, kids, because sweet yams are still in full effect. So I just... Love having convos with people from my tribe because I get to learn so much more about them than we do just by being around each other. So it's really great to catch up with B and then have the catch up after the, you know, the off air, quote unquote, off air catch up afterwards. So, yeah, uh, let's get into this. B, muchisima gracias for being here. This is a long time coming. I've said this to a few people that I've had on here so far in the in the three years since September 2020, that when I started this, there was a list. When I had this idea, there was a list. 
right, of how dope my tribe is, like people that I've met along my travels. And you are one of those people. So thank you, thank you so much for being here. Let's start it off the way I start of every convo. How are you doing? Como estas? Again, I'm doing good. I'm a little, you know, I have a lot going on, but I'm, you know, I'm managing my stress levels fairly well today. So um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in good shape. I'm happy to be here in front of you. So, Oh, that's amazing. Gracias. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm happy to hear that you're doing well. And, you know, I, I get so excited to do this because I was just telling my friends, I get to learn so much about my friends. We don't have convos like this, right? We we see each other. If we haven't seen each other in mad years, but like if we see each other, it's just like whatever's happening. But when I get to do research on my friends, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I either I forgot that they did all this shit or I didn't know some of the shit that they did. But let, let's take sure. it back. Where were you born and raised, B? I was born and raised in Limerick, Ireland. In the really in the, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a '60s child, so '70s was really, you know, my formative years was the '70s, the '80s too, of course. But um, I, I, I definitely, yeah, I remember the '70s pretty well. So, yeah. And then, uh, so what? At what age did you come to, over <laughs> to the states? I came to the states when I was 24. Oh, so. Born and raised, already oh, a young raised. adult. No, I'm Irish. I'm Irish. You're Irish, Irish through and through. I'm Irish. Hence, through. You, I've always known Holy you. Yes. yes. Irish. <laughs> yes. All of that. Yes. 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 So. Been supporting Palestine. Yes. Yes. Irish. That kind. Yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. Let's talk. We would. I, we are definitely going to talk about that shit because this is happening right now. This will come out later, but we are. It is October 17th. Definitely want to talk about that and and yeah. and the connection, right? And 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 the support, sure, for sure. Um, so twenty four, you come to the states. Where do you land? Um, actually, I land in San Francisco. I had come to San Francisco in nineteen eighty eight as a J one student visa person. Um, J one is like a as like a work program for overseas students to allow them to have the American experience. For us, it was like a chance to make some dough so you could get through the following year because there wasn't much by way of summer work in Ireland in them days or work period in them days. And it was an experience and you had a chance to do it. So I, I, I had friends in San Francisco went and worked as a uh, work for starving students as a, uh, as a mover in San Francisco in 1988. Uh, spent all my money on hip-hop records mostly and went home much to everybody's chagrin and then i applied to grad school basically um at cal arts and was accepted and came back to go to cal arts in i guess that was april of 1990 yeah oh wow and then and then i but i <clears throat> i i lived in san francisco for a few months first until like I guess until August and then August of 90, I moved to LA and um, yeah, got a little apartment in North Hollywood and started going to Cal arts basically. You know. That's crazy. So what, what do you think looking back now and ha has this ever changed in your mind? What is your root growing up that, you know, exposed you or got you into hip hop in Ireland during that time? 
Well, I mean, it's hard to say really what exactly it was, but but I think, I mean, punk rock was a huge. I mean, I was very young now. So, like in 1976, let's say I was 10 years old. Um, 1977, I was 11. At my school, the two, I remember very vividly <clears throat> the two big uh, cultural things that hit our school, St. Patrick's National School on the Dublin Road in Limerick, um, was punk rock. Mm. So we had one gang at school that were called the, the Paddy Punk Rockers, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And then, and then the other thing, which is, which is really trippy, which I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I'll explain a little bit in a while, but was Roots. Roots came on TV. Oh, CCC. And so the other gang were called the Chicken Georges. And yeah. When you know, I mean, when you think about it, man, it's yeah. like eleven years old, man. Yeah. And um, I don't know. There's something weirdly <laughs> premonitionary, I guess, is what you would say about <laughs> what the fuck I was about to do for the rest of my life. But yeah, and it was just pure pop culture shit. I mean, we were very ignorant. Um, and I think it was definitely an outside looking thing, you know. Um, as I became more interested in music, um. And I never knew music to not be political. Like I, I mm. always, um, you know, it was always there was always a social component. It was never, do you know, what I mean, I never really, yeah. even though I, you know, I mean, I, I remember listening to the, I don't know, the Carpenters. I guess it was like in our house we had like the, we didn't have a turntable. We had like a cassette player, and it was like I don't know, one, that was one of their first cassettes we had was like the Carpenters greatest hits or whatever, but it's not like, we, I, I, you know, I consume music, but as far as music being something that was of me, right. it was, there was always a political component just because it was punk right. groups like the clash groups, like stiff little fingers. And obviously then there was, you know, the seventies and, and the eighties in Ireland was, a um, you know, a, a particularly d difficult period um, in terms of our history, in terms of what was going on, mostly what was going on in the North, but it did affect the entire country. So, you know, it felt like Front Street a little bit, you know what I mean? As far as like, I don't know, I, I remember when I first when I first came to the States, you know, like um, when I was moving furniture or whatever, people say like, oh, you have an interesting accent. Where are you from? And I would say, you know, I'm from Ireland or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, Ireland. <laughs> that would be like, oh, yeah, there's bombs there. Yeah, for sure. How cool. <laughs> How cool there's bombs there. How cool there's bombs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, yeah, there was a mainland bombing campaign. There was hunger strikes. There was, you know, it was, it was, and it, it was difficult. You didn't, there was no way to be not aware of it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Our houses were searched. Mm. There was bomb scares frequently. But then when your kids, all oh, that shit kind of is normalized. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I mean, that's just what's going on. It's not like, imagine what it would be like if our houses weren't searched. Or imagine what it would be like if there wasn't bomb scares or whatever. But anyway, all of that stuff become part of the, I guess it may, all that stuff was softening up the dough for the, the big land, which was, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of records, really. 
that kind of hit. There was a big breakdance scene in Limerick, but I wasn't a part of it. I was a big dude. I played rugby. You know what I mean? I wasn't really, I wasn't a dancer. You know what I mean? Per se, still not a dancer. <laughs> sure. You ask any of my friends. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was like by 84, 85, I would say, I was keenly aware and watching everything that was going on as far as the culture. As much as you could in them days, considering we were 6,000 miles away. We weren't London. Right. And um, we didn't have a black population. There was black people that lived there. There was, I'm making a film right now, and I, I, can, I can say conclusively that there were four black people in the city I lived in. Damn. Um, in 1981, this is part of the film I'm making, but I'll explain more later. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't through that those means. It was literally through reading music magazines, picking up foreign radio stations a little bit, and then, yeah, just paying attention. And, um, yeah, before I ever came to the States, I think, I mean, I think coming to San Francisco in 1988 at the height of the kind of you know, crack, AIDS, mm. uh, Iran-Contra um, confirmed for me something that I had felt from being, you know, from ever before I came to the States, which was that hip-hop was the most vital and important um, cultural thing to happen to our generation. Um, coming to you know, coming to the, I, I stayed in the mission district in them days and it was, I mean, the mission was a lot different in them days, man. Wow. We, I, I preferred it in them days, honestly. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was definitely, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a wild place, a very interesting place, but it was a wild place. It was a lot of different kinds of communities brushing up against each other. And, you know, there were still projects on Dolores. There was still, you know, it was still very, very, very interesting place. And um, I just remember, like, there was nothing. There was nothing in, 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 in cinema. There was nothing in contemporary art that prepared you for that. Uh, I don't know. That, like, yeah, it was like five cans of jolt. Remember jolt? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember, I remember wow, there's actually a, a cola that they've added sugar and added caffeine. Right. That's a great idea. It's long before Red Bull. Um, but it was like, you know, it was like a, a super rush um, of, of exhilarance, exuberance, art, danger, mm. poverty. Everything seemed front street. You know, it, it, it seemed, you know, like I remember going to London and there was a part of London called the front line. Um, there was a front line in Notting Hill and it was just like, a it was a place you could go buy weed 24 hours a day, basically, or you buy other things too, obviously, but you know, and it, it was a, it was an edge of a, uh, a Caribbean community at that time. And I feel like, you know, mission, mission and 16th, you know what I mean? In them days was kind of like a, it was like a front line, you know, it was like, if you went down that way, it was prostitution. If you went down this way, it was like the Castro, if you went down this way, it was like murals and art lofts. And if you went down this way, it was crack being smoked openly. And right. if you went down, the, you know what I mean? And it was, 
I, the first time I ever had sushi, you know, there was a Japanese guy had a tiny sushi place and he, he liked country music and it was crazy when had, it was country music sushi. And it was, <laughs> it was, you know, it was just like, wow, this is the maddest experience. So then I decided I wanted to come back and do grad school. There was a teacher that I, that I, I really liked teaching at CalArts at that time. And um, at least I liked his work, you know, I, I didn't know what he was like as a teacher, but so I applied. And, uh, and I got in and then in the process of accepting school, I got offered, I got, I mean, this is, I, I don't know, you know, to what extent you, um, All believe in synchronicity yes. or whatever. Yes. So while I was waiting to find out if I had gotten accepted into CalArts, I got a letter from the American embassy in Dublin and I thought like. I didn't even open it because I thought like, oh, man, these people are so ahead of the game. These Americans are so efficient. <laughs> <laughs> but what it was actually was the complete opposite. It was like my mom had applied for a visa. Um, she had applied for all of us. Everyone in Ireland did. Um, there was a visa amnesty in the early 80s. Uh, there was uh, some Democratic senators had probably done a dirty deal with Reagan, um, Tip O'Neill and a bunch of them. And it was called the Donnelly Visa. And basically you had to just send your name and a copy of your ID and a return envelope to D.C. And everybody in Ireland did it. You know, there was ads in the Sunday newspapers. But that was like six years previously. I, I was 16. Now I was 23. And now I got a letter back saying you've been accepted oh, wow. for this visa program. And I just applied to grad school. So, yeah, so I, that, that was kind of, well, I guess there he goes. <laughs> Signs, symbols, and clues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is it. There, was, there was no, I mean, it, you know, there was, I mean, the prospect of jobs in that era in Ireland was fucking horrific. You know? I mean, it was really bad. And so, yeah, we made, it was like, well, there's, there you go. Right. There's a direction for him. There's some place to go. So I came. And then it was, uh, you know, like, I honestly, like, I, I wasn't like I, you know, I was like, well, here's my chance to become a hip hop photographer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was a job. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't, I was so naive. You know what I mean? The notion that you could get paid to, like, do that kind of work was just like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know anybody like that. I didn't even, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, wow. And I, I just thought I would come and I would go to school and I, and I would be, it would make me more qualified to be a teacher when I, when I, when I went home. Basically. Mm. Um, and so I came to Cal Arts and then that's kind of where everything started to, yeah, things started to change. That's, <laughs> the plan changed. That's, that's fascinating because I was wondering, you know, for, for the youngsters that are listening to this, this was pre, 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 pre internet. How mm -hmm. far or how delayed was hip hop for you guys in Ireland? Like, when did, like, like an estimate, like, oh, something came out here, but then it got to you guys. Like, how long was that timeline? It, it, it wasn't, it, it, I mean, that's assuming that there was like some, you know, chain of, delivery that we were at the end of or something that that didn't exist i mean it was like some things made it something like random shit like um schoolie d for example who i still to this day god bless schoolie d man nobody can say any wrong about schoolie d for me because 
Schooly um, was completely independent, put his shit out. Somehow, I'm not sure how, but he caught the ears of people like Mick Jones of The Clash. So when Mick Jones did the first tour with Big Audio Dynamite in like 1986, 1987, he put Schooly as the opener and they came to Ireland. Oh. And we saw him and it was just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, So it would be like weird, random it was way more random. It wasn't like a proper delay. Right. Like, you know, like somebody dropped a pebble in the Atlantic Ocean in <laughs> Bronx and then eventually the ripple. It, it, it's not, it wasn't that rational. Um, so there was things I knew about, you know. Um, people would go and bring back tapes. But, you know, some of the stories are not that different than what you'd hear in L.A. Do you know, like. Um, from New York. Yeah, because we were getting shit. From New York. You know, like, right, so, right. Like, so you have a cousin that's, that's a coming cousin. from New York and was bringing mixtapes. And it was the it was the informal. It was much more the informal kind of economy. And I, I remember, like, even when I left, like, I, and I will say I left um, my school, NCAD. I left NCAD in 1988. Um, and I had come back. I came back from that, that J-1 visa. No, sorry, I left in 89, and I came back in 91. And I remember, and there was nobody left in the school that I knew, and I remember going to the the kind of cafeteria, and there was a pool table in the cafeteria in them days. And, uh, and, and, and as I was walking by the pool table, there was kids there with the tape deck, and they were playing a, a red alert tape that I had taped off the radio in, in, <laughs> back in shut 88. Shut up, shut up. And they were they were playing it, and I was you know what I mean, like the yes. you know that kind of hand to hand tapes. I mean, that, that, it was that you know, and and then somehow, and I, you know, there was okay. So on the BBC in them days, you had Westwood. You know, Westwood was on there, disgraced ass Westwood, um, was on there, and you and you could sometimes you could pick up the show. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the first time I remember hear, hearing like Big Daddy Kane. And then London, you know, people go to London. You could find things sometimes in London. But it was, it wasn't, yeah. I think Japan, places like Japan, actually, it was much more. Right. You know, there, there was already kind of, um, there already, there was infrastructure in place where there were Japanese folks coming to America to find soul mm. and jazz records and bringing them back. And then it wasn't too much of an extension then for those folks to start to bring hip hop. Hip -hop. Totally. Stuff back. Um, and then there were tours, obviously. You know, Rocksteady went to England. Rocksteady went to Japan. You know what I mean? But Ireland would shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's crazy to know that we were not D, on that. like, that you guys were exposed to Schoolie D. Like, that's and live. P.E. E. That's crazy. I'll tell you this. I went to see Public Enemy play at McGonagall's in 1988, I believe it was. 1987. I think it was 88. And... I'll tell you who was there standing in the back by herself. And I, I'll never forget it. I, I always, I, man, I'll never let anyone talk shit about this person because this person is fucking down. She's here with us, Sinead O'Connor. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, 1988, bro. I remember that shit. I remember it vividly. And I'll tell you something. No, I hadn't, I hadn't even been to the States yet properly. Um, and I remember like so Flav was clowning and talking about like what's that fucking series Lucky Charms and shit <laughs> we're all like Lucky Charms what the fuck is that <laughs> like are you trying to diss us because I don't even know what it is <laughs> <laughs> but 
uh, Chuck, you know, I remember he 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 made this. He told the story of how it made him really happy to come to Ireland and to drive down the streets and to look at. You know, it's quite. I don't know if you've seen those kind of Irish storefronts, but they're like you know little storefronts, and it'll have the family name of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, it won't say even what the business is. It'll just say you know Murphy Ryan whatever. And to be driving down the streets and to look and to see the name over every every business be an Irish name, and to explain that for African Americans there was no place that they could go, and I, I, I that really struck me. It kind of like I I kind of felt like wow, that's I never even thought of that. Like you wouldn't right. even think, do you know what I mean? Like right. what does a homeland actually look like? And <clears throat> Yeah. And then I, I, I saw that and then I went, I went that summer to San Francisco and then, yeah, it was, I remember like another thing from that era that was really struck me was I remember an artist, Aaron Noble was his name, um, from the mission, you know, white dude, very interesting guy, good artist. Um, but he took me and my friend aside and he was like, you know, I noticed you guys are going up to Tower Records in the hate to, to buy your, you know, CDs, even maybe it wasn't them days. I don't even know. It was buying vinyl too. Right. But um, he said, you know, it's, you, you should really think about um, why don't you buy, you know, why don't you go to Hunter's Point? Or why don't you go to Fillmore? And why don't you, why don't you buy the support those stores? Because those are the stores in the community that produces the music. Right. And it was another one of those things like, you know, we're from Ireland. I don't fucking know anything. I was like, fuck yeah so sure enough it turned out we ended up you know starving students was in hunter's point mm-hmm. and there was a record store in hunter's point and yeah we started to go every day every, every you know i'd i'd go from the get my paycheck go to the check cashing place and go two or three dollars over as the record store and i started yeah started buying buying records i already had some but like now i was really able to i mean go to a store where there was like a whole section and shit i right. was like and some probably like new shit that Tower Records like would never get or, oh, you know what I sure. mean? Like quality. Uh, local shit. Yeah. Like, local independent shit. You know what I mean? Like, which again, I was only becoming hip to at that time, you know, punk rock aesthetic, obviously knew about it, but didn't have too much access to that kind of stuff in Limerick. Whereas obviously there was important, you know, and it just, it just, a, just the kind of notion of a kind of thinking about these types of decisions in an ethical way. Um, right. It's something that's kind of, you know, I remember the first time uh, Shadow telling me, like, yeah, try to avoid the bootlegs. Mm. You know, try if you can find the original record, buy the original record. Right. Somehow that money will find its way back, you know. But obviously over the years, you know, but like I remember, you know, I mean, it, it, it was very much part of the thing of like, you know, pay attention to that stuff. Don't just be. Right. Don't just be a passive consumer. You know what I mean? Be intentional. Find ways. Yeah. yeah, be intentional with your money. Be intentional with your attention. Be intentional with your, you know what I mean? Where right. you, who you show up for, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. It's crazy. Like just hearing, you know, like the abridged version of your history, it seems like, like you're saying the synchronicity, the the signs, symbols, and clues. Since Ireland, since your upbringing, there's been people and things in place to kind of guide you, right? Like like homeboy being like, go to Hunter's Point, buy over here, da 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 da. Shadow being yeah. da 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 da, and you know, yeah. uh, be 
it hearing you talk about growing up in Ireland and what the climate was, remembering the time, those times, right? Like history uh, that we knew about what's happening in Ireland. It all makes sense into who you are. Like, oh, of course, be was raised in in Ireland during those times and was exposed to this and da 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 da, da and now he he's done all that like it it makes all the sense in the world to me now you know and, and and so looking back and doing the research I saw that you know it was I was looking at dates and I was like oh your book came out um in 1993 right it's not yeah. about a salary rap race and resistance in LA and I was like I want to ask him how long were you in LA? So what was it? Three years, right? Before that yeah. came out. And then yeah. that came out in 93. But how long did it take you? Like, what was the genesis of that? Like, yo, I'm going to write this. I'm going to, I'm going to write it. I'm going to take the photo, fo- shoot the photos for it. Boom. It's LA. Oh so, yeah. So 90, I was already thinking about it. You know, like I was already, um, I never thought I was going to do work about it, but I was, I was very engaged in thinking about, um, you know, the kind of the micro in terms of, you know, the politics of hip hop, especially the politics of West Coast hip hop was very interesting to me. Obviously, this is a period where like, you know, Cube is split from NWA. There's like, you know, is a, you know, P or at their, you know, first phase of like kind of you know, really change the game, this kind of thing. So, you know, so all this stuff is going on. Um, In, I guess it was February of, or May of, or uh, maybe May of 91. Um, So I, 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 I would, I was, I was just this annoying fucking grad student who was called precocious frequently, who was constantly, you know, bringing up things like Ice Cube or PE or whatever um, in discussions of art or cultural practice that would otherwise have excluded people like that. Um, and I, I, I just, cause I just, and it wasn't like I was this, you know, I was a fan for sure, but I, I was also feeling like, I think it's, it's a bit silly that we're not thinking about this because these people are actually doing things that are, you know, that are really fucking important and talking about things that are really important. And there was a lot of things in that era where like you first heard it in a hip hop record. It was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was like, you know, it ran contra for a lot of people, you, you know, KRS and people like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they're bringing crack into the community. And then, well, it turns out it's fucking true. They were, you know, but it's took the mainstream media and a couple of people getting killed and whatever. But anyways, um, <clears throat> So through a series of discussions with Mike Davis, who was another one of those people who was like uh, kind of, uh, yeah, like a, a dude who showed up at the bridge and was just like, yeah, you should go that direction. <laughs> um, he offered me the opportunity to make a, just to, at first it was just to make a photo. Would you make a photo essay for this French journal I'm editing about Los Angeles? Um and it was, you know, I said, okay, you know, and I, it was kind of, you know, it's like one of those things like, <clears throat> seems like a good idea. I'm actually learning to be a photographer finally. I was a landscape photographer, actually, when I came oh. to the U.S. I, that's what I was, that's mostly what I was doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 you know, the first people I photographed were the Booyah tribe. 
the second people I photographed. And then I was, I was photographing at clubs a little bit. And then the second group of people that I photographed was the Watts Prophets. <clears throat> that was a real kind of, that was really um, another moment. You know, meeting Amdi from the Watts Prophets was really another moment. But when I went back to Mike, he said, you know, he said, this is amazing. I was like, I can't believe you've got this much done. And like, because it was like, you know, we needed it in a month. Mm. It was like this kind of a thing. And he was like, I can't believe you've made this much inroads or whatever. And I was just like, oh, well, it didn't seem that crazy to me. I was, you know, I was whatever. I was just following my nose, really. And, and he said, what if, what if you, what if we turn this into a book? Mm. And I was just like, Pfft. so we turned it into a proposal. They accepted it. And then I reached out to a bunch of people that I, that I knew at the time to, that I thought would be good to write it. And I'll just make the photos. It sounds fine to me. I had some ideas about what I should do. I mean, naive, maybe, but, you know, I had some ideas. And mostly people were like, you're doing a book about hip hop in L.A.? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, what? Either they were saying, like, what hip hop in L.A.? <laughs> right. Or, you know what I'm saying? That's enough for a book. You know what I mean? People didn't really, you know. But what they didn't know was that I had also, okay, I had met the Watts Prophets, which was really important. And I had met Horace Tapscott and I had met Billy Higgins, but I'd also met the Freestyle Fellowship. And I walked straight into the fucking good life. Wow. And yeah. And I, I you know, of course, you know, there's no, I mean, did you, did you ever go there? Did you ever go? No, to that was, I got here after it was, I got here after you went the to fact. blow. You went to probably probably Project Blow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you went to a good life. I mean, honestly, man, like you know, I mean, it was like a a Thursday night from eight to ten in a health food shop that sat maybe forty people. You know what I'm saying? And then the yeah, okay, like the sessions would really be in the parking lot afterwards, of course. But like, I, you know, I mean, it was nothing going like. This is the future of music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, they didn't even have a, it was, the mic was terrible. The sound was terrible. The, the beats were played off cassette. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but much, you know, but as much as we laugh and as much as we, you know, as, as we understand what you, of course, what you realize when you, when you really start to look, you realize, well, shit, that's how hip hop started. Right. And shit. That's how samba started. And that's how Cumbia started. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, things start in humble places. They don't start in boardrooms under nice fluorescent rooms right. with good sound systems. They don't. And I didn't, I was naive. You know what I mean? I, thought, what was, I didn't have anything in my experience to tell me like, yo, you just walked into something. But I knew loads of people that would tell, oh, you should, you know, you really got to check this out, man. These kids are, this is some special shit. And, of course, people, you know, it was like, and it wasn't even that far out the way. It was like, you know, like exposition and La Brea or exposition and Crenshaw or whatever. And like, but make the effort, show up, bring your camera, take some photos, make friends, talk to people, try to understand what's happening. And yeah. And then, and then through a kind of fortuitous set of things, meeting Raymond Roker, who ran our magazine and was just on issue number right. two, I think at the time. Um, meeting um, the woman who was the head of publicity at Priority at the time, um, whose name has gone out of my head right now. She'll be mad at me. But, <laughs> um, 
and just being very lucky, really, um, in terms of like, you know, staying focused and taking things seriously. That was other things. Like mm. I, I never, ever, 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 ever took any of that stuff for granted. I always understood that what I was seeing, I was super privileged. I was going to say, yeah. Super grateful to be even in the room, dude. You know, it was like, as far as white people, man, it was me, cut, and you'd see DJP from, from time to time. That was it. I yeah. see nobody else. I was wondering how did how did you get access to Booyah Tribe and how was that at that time? That was like Booyah was like a couple of cats out of the group used to do security at clubs in Hollywood, and I remember asking them like, "Yo, you set me up to do photos. I'm doing this thing." Blah blah. Mm. You know, in them days, it was you know there was no managers, there was no publicists, the, there yeah. was no, it was just straight, straight to either the, yeah. Godfather's looking for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I remember they were living in, it was a house in Echo Park, actually, where I photographed them. And the photos aren't even great. I mean, do you know what I mean? I was like, I was still figuring it out. But it was just, you know, I mean, it was an important moment. And there wasn't too many other people that were really taking it that seriously. Right. So, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. I just, I've lived this sort of blessed life where it's like, I've just been fortunate enough to, you know, um, find my way into places that are that are very interesting at moments that are interesting, you know. Yeah, and it's and, not uh, like you're a small dude either, you know. Like you're tall, no. like you can't sneak into places. So no, you ha- no. you have to be granted access, and you've been granted yes. access to a grip sure. of. I mean, you're. I was telling some friends, you know, who I was going to have a convo with. And one, of course, knew who you were. And the other one was like, who's that? And I, I was like, mm, how would I describe him? And I was like, a hip-hop activist historian? Like, maybe you know, like, that's how I that's how I see you. That's how I saw you when I first met you. I, and if I remember correctly, I don't know if you remember when you first met me, but I believe it was during one of the Mumia 911 events. I think sure. Frank Sosa brought me in and you yeah. were doing those um, those photos where it was in the yeah. V yeah. and stuff. And I think that's that's why I met you. So I, I and so that was the beginning of my introduction to you and seeing you from that point into where we are now. It, it just that's how I see you like, oh, he's he's here to document not only document, but also be a part of the culture. And yeah. and before I forget, I just want to say super grateful for you, sir. Super grateful for you. Oh, thank you. So, you know, doing the research. Well, right, you know, the first person to ever say that about me. Um, and I don't know, I don't know whether it was a, it was an article or something. But I remember it was in the 90s. And somebody asked Raka about me and Raka said, um, whatever it is that he decides he wants to, or whoever it is he decides he wants to, or whatever he decides he wants to work with, um, the project will be better by virtue of his presence. And I was just like, wow, that's a really (laughs) damn Raka. I remember I called him, I was like, yo, Thank Th- you. That's real. That was a very, very, very nice thing to say about somebody, actually. And I, I, it made me, I felt happy for this. And I guess that's it, you know. 
because I, I actually, in, as a far am I the best photographer? I don't think so. Am I the best filmmaker? I don't think so. But then I do occupy a lane where it's like, you know, there are certain things that I bring to the table that in such a way that not everybody else is able to do or whatever. And so, yeah. yeah and you know what my, I think it is because you're granted access because you, I think, you know, this scene, you're not going to get in just because you're white. Like, especially if you're white, people really have to see you really have to feel your intention. And I think, you know, you, they say whenever you create, if you're making salsa, if you're angry, it's in the salsa, right? Like how, whatever oh, you're sure. doing it and photography as well, whatever you're doing creatively, there's a love and respect that yeah. shines through your work because you've been given this access because you are a fan of it because you, 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 you respect it. And I think that all those things combined, you can't, redo that like someone could be a, a better photographer technically but there's some there's a, a language a visual language a, a communication of love and respect and I think that differentiates your work and what you know what Coleman does and stuff from other photographers like oh yeah they took a photo of a biggie of you know MF Doom, whatever, but there's another level. There's like extra levels, another frequency that I think your work communicates. It's gorgeous too, though. I mean, get, don't get me wrong. It's gorgeous too. But I wanted to ask, um, you know, you've taken photos of some of the most iconic classic albums. Um, you were director of photographer films, director yourself, one of my favorites, uh, Keeping in Time. You were photo editor of Wax Poetics, Rap Page. I mean, like so much fucking iconic shit. Like nothing was like, you know, no half stepping anywhere. But now if you meet somebody and they say, oh, what do you do? What is your answer? How do you answer that shit? Do you want to support original content that supports diverse voices? Why not support Word to Your Mama? You're listening to it right now. Become a patron. Head over to patreon.com slash WTYM. There are four patron levels to choose from, including Good Looking Out, I'm Down, Hell Yeah, and Please Believe It. Benefits include patron shoutouts, exclusive patron-only content, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash WTYM to take your support to the next level. Gracias. Many of us have heard of the devastating passing of Hurricane Fiona through Puerto Rico, but not many of us know of ways, or better yet, trustworthy ways to help and contribute to those in need. Fiona a Través de los Ojos de los Niños is an NFT project featuring art made by children of the nonprofit school Flor de Loto in Ponce, Puerto Rico. Through their drawings, they've expressed their feelings and fears which they went through the hurricane. You can help these children, their school, families, and communities by minting one of their NFTs at helppr.xyz. You can also help by sending crypto directly to their wallet listed on the website or do a donation through PayPal. The links can be found in the description. And to learn more about this initiative and how you can help, please visit helppr.xyc or via Twitter at helpprflm. I'm usually just like, yo, I'm a photographer. 
<laughs> and just keep it like a photographer and then that's it. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like I've, I'm, I'm personally like, I'm like the, yeah. When, when I, it, it started to land weird for me when, when the culture started to turn into like, everybody was the best you know what I mean? I have to tell, like, I, I, I'm one of those people, like, if I have to tell you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the best. There's a pretty fucking high likelihood that I'm not. not you know what I'm right, saying? Right. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm all about like, ah, let me just, you know what I mean? We could just meet and, you know what I mean? You, you, I want to meet you. You know what I mean? You, you it might be, it might not be the first thing you're going to tell me that you have this amazing podcast, blah, blah, great family, blah, blah. <laughs> We're just going to meet each other, and we're going to. And I, I like right. to keep it like that. You know? I yeah. mean, I'm I'm much I'm way more on the low key, so I generally just oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a photographer. Or if somebody is talking about like you know, filmmaking or something, I'll be like, oh yeah, I make films. You know, yeah, I make films too. But I'm not, I'm not here like yeah, well, I I say yeah. Exit <laughs> through the gift shop was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, totally. That's whack. <laughs> That's totally, yeah. Boo boo. I mean, no, I don't do that shit. So, yeah. So, I, I generally just that's, that's keep it low key. Or sometimes I say, yeah, I'm a, actually, I'm a professor. You know, I am a tenured professor of photography and filmmaking. Yeah. Which I am. Which you, are. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, yeah. I keep it low so, key. <laughs> nice. That's interesting because I always wondered what, you know, what you would say. So, let's talk about. Art as form of, you know, protest. Art as form of resistance. Music. How, you know, you grew up in that shit. Uh, sure. Have we? I did. I, I also grew up under the shadow of some of the worst examples of that shit too. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so how important is that? And do you feel this generation of any genre of music have we lost it? Where Where do you think we're no. at? No, I don't see, I believe these things are like a pendulum. It's a pendulum, basically. And we're swinging between body and mind. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, definitely, we've been going through a body moment. Pretty hardcore. You know, people experimenting with drugs, people experimenting with being in their bodies, people experimenting with certain kinds of movement. Dance has become really, really important. An important part of the culture, again, in a way that it hasn't been for a long time. Facts. Um, you know, through socials and whatnot. Um, but that don't, it's, there's, there's no, there's no, we've, we've, we've left the room or something. Like, I don't believe that. Um, there's also some fucking really important, um, stuff being done. Um, I often think also that like, um, I think if we, you know, if you limit your version of hip hop to, um, what's happening within the 48 or shall we say 50 uh, states, you're making a, you're making a big mistake now. Right. And, you know, some of the most important political um, activist work is happening outside the United States, actually. You know what I mean? I'm talking about indigenous communities. I'm talking about in the Middle East. I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking one of my favorites. The Chilean, somebody you should have definitely on this podcast is Anna T. U. Hell yeah, would yeah. love that. No man, that's my love, Anna. Um, she came to visit me in Ireland during the summer. It was oh. like, I, I laughed so much. My my, I haven't 
actually had pains in my cheeks in a long time and it was it's like three days of insanity she's funny as hell but basically you know um no i and i i would say the other thing you know i i think it's important for us especially on the left and i know in a in a, in a, in a week like this it's just fucking appallingly difficult but but it is important to keep a disposition of optimism dude i think it's really important um I think, yes, we are in a profoundly dark moment, unequivocally. Um, but I, there's never a day when I don't see signs that things are, you know, are, that things are moving and things are changing and things there, there are things that are getting better too. Um, I think people are, you know, reaching certain levels of, of realization, even in regards to what's happening in the Middle East. I think people, you know, people that I've never seen before um yeah you know are coming to realizations about what's happening in in Palestine yeah um and i i i have to hope that you know we will reach a point there the arc what what does mlk say the 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 the, the you know the, the arc of 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 justice will swing towards us it has to it has to it has to there's no other way you yeah. know history doesn't you know this will be fixed and it will be fixed in a way that is just for them and it has to. And as soon as everybody realizes that, and as soon as everybody realizes that you do have to sit down with these people, I don't care. I don't care. You know what I mean? They sat down with us. They said they'd never sit down with us, and they did. They were sitting down with us the whole time. They said they weren't. You know what I'm saying? That's why we. That's why the there's Irish people so feel so strongly for what for Palestinians is because in the 80s we were the PLO in the 80s. You know what I mean? Or they were us. We were this. Gurge, we were the fucking Hamas of our time. We were bombing train stations. We were doing, indis- you know, despicable acts. And that's what happens. Despicable acts will have to happen. Right. Before you get the foot off your neck. That's just, that's just, a, yeah. look. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm just saying. This, these are realities, dude. You know what yes. I'm saying? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not out here. You know what I'm saying? I, you can't. You can't be out here um, justifying, you know what I mean? No. The death of children. No. There is no reason you should be asked to because we aren't asking the United States or these people who have done the most despicable acts. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, How are you able to make a film, the biggest grossing film last year, you know what I'm saying? Star and Irish cat too, a cat that I have a lot of respect for. You know what I'm saying? It's about the man that invented the atomic bomb. And there's nowhere, there's no place in that story for Japanese people. There's nowhere for them. Somehow. Or somehow we're able to talk about that without that, without really thinking through what consequentially, what we've done, the damage that we've done. And we somehow have some moral authority. We don't have moral authority over anything. When Farrakhan say that shit to Bill Moyers, bro, like I was just like, man, that's it. That's it. Let he who has, you know what I'm saying, not sinned throw the first stone. You have no, and they still put their foot in, they got to put their foot in every fucking thing that happens. And this whole situation in the Middle East is, this was wrong from the first day, man. And the, and the funny thing is when you look into the history of it, man, and this is, the part that, you know, I'm, I'm learning too, you know, you know this because we all come out from under the British Empire, but 
you know, the same dude that was negotiating the treaty in Ireland is the same dude who was then going off drawing the borders in Palestine. You know what I'm saying? It's the same, same people. people. Right, right. And somehow we've managed to delude ourselves into this kind of, you know, weirdly, and, and you know, what, what does Gil Scott Heron call it? The, 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 the great American anemia and, and, and amnesia. Um, but it's, it's this kind of the amnesia express. That's what he calls it. The amnesia. <laughs> Everything's in front of us. We're moving forward. We just forget what the fuck happened yesterday. It's like, bro, like, I'm a Marxist, man. Like, stop this already. Like, these things have history. It's not that far back. No. And whether it's slavery or whether it's whether it's whether it's the treatment of Palestinians and the creation of the state of Israel, all these things need to be taken into account. And in its own small weird way, um, hip hop has a part to play. Yeah, hip hop speaks for people. You know what I mean? Finding new ways to tell these truths is part of the deal. It's part of the responsibility. Right. And it doesn't matter. Like we all carry it somehow. Right. You know, and so for me, it's that's it. It's one foot in front of the other. I don't know any other way to do it, really. You know I mean, it's always the starter for me is like, well, what can I add? Is there something I'm able to add a little bit? And that's, you know, that's Horace Tapscott, Alan Sekula, Mike Davis. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's all, all those are my, you know, Ben Caldwell. You know what I'm saying? Kamal Daoud, like. You know what I'm saying? Those those people are Chris Mark or Agnes Varda. Like those those are the lessons, and it's it, it it you know I mean people always say to me like you know it sounds like you like you always knew what you wanted to do. And it's like actually you're making it sound like it was some kind of like you know like somebody tapped me on the side of the head, and I was just like oh, okay here we go. And it doesn't that's not really the way it works. But at a certain point, you you start to realize like. Yeah, you're not gonna know. You're not gonna know Mochilla in one photo. You're not gonna know Mochilla in one film. You're not gonna. I, I can't make my argument in one film. You might look at me and be like, "Fuck that guy," <laughs> and actually, it's a fair enough response. Actually, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, fuck him. But over time, you're gonna be like, actually, nah. I, I think I think I'm beginning to understand a little bit of what they're trying to do, you know. But I I can't. You know, it's like. Uh, Joseph Campbell says, like the highest level of knowledge are the things it's difficult to explain in words. And it's, it's, it's not, something, you know, you got to see the work. You got to see the <laughs> it's work. It's not, not something I can really explain. It's something you have to, you know, engage with the work, see what we've been doing for the past 20 plus years. A long time. And hopefully it'll, if we've done our work properly, it'll, it'll emerge, you know, you will begin to understand. So now I've not answered your question. No, no, you have. This is the convo. I love this. This is the type of stuff. I love all this shit. I love all this shit. Um, But I agree with you. And that's I think that's what also gives me hope in this moment that there's people that maybe I've just met or I've known maybe surface a little bit deeper, but not too deep that I see them being awakened by the truth. And, 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 and posting on social media, things that I never thought, like, I never thought that they would say shit about what's happening right now, you know, and, and not just, uh, uh, you know, not just some banner up, you know, free Palestine, but like fucking paragraphs of like, this fucking shit ain't right. I don't give a fuck who I lost. I, I'm glad I don't have sponsors. Like, 
people that I'm just like, this is the shit that I'm talking about. This is the type of work. This is the realization. This is the awakening. This is the work. This is what we need so that we all say, fuck this shit. You know, we're not free until Palestine's free, until everyone's free. You know, like, and, and, and what's what's the realization? And, and, and what's crazy is I'm also seeing people that I would never think even talk about this shit also going to next level of being like and the u.s is complicit and i don't and i'll just like this is amazing this is i never thought like never thought and here we are so i'm hoping i'm hopeful we'll you know you know i mean the real test is and i mean you know like i mean yeah I, if you see the the breakdown in numbers, I think that was in the New York Times or the Guardian did it, you know, I mean, it's really very little difference between the Democrats and the Republicans in terms of um, APAC or the Israel lobby, you know. Um, right. But that, that needs to change. I was even surprised AOC the other day. AOC kind of shocked me the other day and said some shit that I was like, did you really need to fucking say that? Um, but you know, that's really, that's the mainstream that needs to change. I mean, that's the area where, you know, this is an entirely different argument if you take away the 5 billion or whatever it is that they're giving Israel every year. If that goes on the table and becomes negotiable and it becomes something that's like, nah, actually, then this this state no longer looks like the fucking bully that it actually has become. And, you know, the other thing for me, honestly, you know, it, it, it never ceases to, you know, I mean, I, I am impressed by the courage of many fucking Jewish people to stand up against this. Right. And that never, you know, I mean, that, that's a constant. I, w- I, w- I would just say that it's a constant. And, I, and in our community, even, you know what I'm saying, there are folks that I, you know, I, I I admire that. I I take that shit seriously. I really do. I I because I know that shit ain't fucking easy. No, right. You know what I'm saying. Right. And um, so you know, but yeah. I I mean, I, I, a funny story. I mean, and I know you'll appreciate this. Is uh, so in maybe 2007 or 2008, we were approached. We met these guys. Um. And they they said they were they're from they were they're Jordanian guys and they said they were trying to be the the mochilla of the Middle East, right? And we were like, oh, word, okay, that's dope. <laughs> like, <laughs> figure out the money better than we did. <laughs> but um, so so then they said, you know, we'd love to ha- you know to host you guys to bring you guys over there. I remember EC was just like, dude, what what do you really know about Jordan? I was like, well. You know, and I told him my little few facts or whatever. And so we go there, have this exhibit. It's, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience in general. Um, and we've become friends with all these cats. But what we so we were there. We're sitting uh, it at this, you know, it was me and Eric DJing. And then there was these MCs, uh, one MC from Canada and two MCs that were one Palestinian, one Syrian guy. They were both from Southern California, and they were performing there at the same time. So afterwards, we all end up hanging out, have a smoke, you know, the usual, whatever. Listen to the records, talk shit. 
And so somebody asked like the three dudes where they had met each other for the first time. And they said that they were, they, they, Oh, you know, it was this, it was this free Palestine event. And it was, yeah, man, it was in a bookstore. And it was, it, it was, I think it was in like, I think it was in Echo Park. Sure. And I was like, <laughs> yo, not only is like, was I there? I was the DJ. They were like, you were the DJ. I totally knew you looked familiar. I was just like, bro, this is too crazy. We're like all the way in Jordan Shut talking up. about Frank, man. And, you know, I know, man, I'm sending love to Frank because Frank is a very sensitive man and uh, a tough dude by any measure. Right. But also right. a very sensitive guy. And, I, and this, this has been a hard week for all Frank, bro. This is something that he's, you know, he went there. Remember? Oh, remember he went there and he couldn't go in. They sent him back. The Israelis sent him back. They fucking knew. But, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I mean, I, I always say, like, yeah. small acts of solidarity mm-hmm. is what builds the real bridges. You know, like, how did I, how did you end up working with Banksy? I ended up working with Banksy because I did the, because I stood up against you know, we stood up against police brutality into free Mumia. Right. And, and that gave us a reason to talk to Banksy. And when he saw that's what we, we were doing, he took us seriously. And then we became friends. And you know what I mean? Right. Small, you, and, and it's not like we ever do it for transactional reasons. No. But so many of, so much of the time, you know, people that I take seriously in my life, you know, people that I, that I have in contact with, it's through, you know, it's through ideas. It's through causes. It's through actually standing up and saying difficult things often that we, you know, we, we develop relationships, you know? So, right. Yeah. So I know you, you know what I mean? That's how I know you. And, 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 and when, when Jasbo was on here, you know, we were talking about, you know, I met him because he requested to come to art speaks at the L Ray and we've been friends ever since. And I just saw him two weeks ago, uh, you know, Academy Award winner. He hasn't changed. And he was like, I'm spending time with you because I want to spend time with you. And we were talking about we've grown, all of us have grown in this industry, in this scene, um, and and gone so many different places, right? Because of the nonlinear yeah. career path. And now we're in different places of power in different ways. And we're still nothing's changed. We're still about you know, small acts of solidarity, being advocates for our communities in so many different ways. And I love seeing that. Um, you know, it's just like, okay, we met hip hop, brought us together, uh, you know, being activists at a time brought us together. We're still here. We're still fighting a good fight and all that good stuff. But it, it, it it's crazy. And also, Frank is a lot of, He's kind of like the glue and the nucleus for a lot of stuff, for sure. A lot of stuff. A, a lot, lot of stuff. stuff. Shout out to Frank. Okay, so let's get into, Do you ha- are you cool on time? Because I've already taken I'm an cool. hour of your time. Okay, let's get into the questions and comments from the audience. First question, this is from the Supernatural Bear, Rock and I's amazing son who just turned 11. He said, please ask Mr. B how he got into photography and why. So, um, to be honest with you, I didn't, I, I went to, I had a friend growing up, um, who was a photographer and as a result, like in my teenage years, I, I don't know that we, 
I don't think we we didn't even have a camera in my house, man. I I I drawing that was it for me. Here's a pencil and a bit of paper. Shut up, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, but but in art school, then a little bit later, um, I was interested in ideas, and the thing about photography that interested me was that I you could you could make images really quickly. You could refer to things really quickly. Mm. Um. You know, it was like a shorthand way to, you know, it would take me a, f- a long minute to draw something where it was like, click. Yeah. And so at first it was just photographing other things, even sometimes other photographs, magazines, newspapers. That's how I started. Um, and then it was through the process of, of eventually starting to fall in love with the actual medium itself and sort of begin to really take it seriously. But that didn't really happen until I came to California, honestly. Mm. Um, I. You know, I was a landscape photographer, but I was really somebody interested in ideas and telling stories. And then photography just kind of found me a little bit, Mm. you know. So, yeah. Love that. Okay, next one. Ask him when the mattress coffee book is coming out. (laughs) And that's by Asad. That's Asad, you know, founder of Footlong Development. Um, You know, bringing a lot of the quality shit, like Wonderful and Soul Slam and all that shit. Oh, man. You know, you got to love Asad, man. Another solid, another glue. Yes. Another node in the rhizomatic world we live in. Um, Basically, it's coming. I mean, it's it's actually coming. He's going to laugh his ass off, but I've yes, it's laid out. It's not finished. Um, there is some work to be done, um, but yes, there will be in the next year. Hopefully, I'm working on a Supremes film right now, so mm. that's taking up a lot of my time. Um, but this this my American landscape book. I know it's mattresses, B, but yes, my American <laughs> landscape book. Um, will be, uh, oh, so it's literally yeah. mattresses. It's like, oh yeah. I've been photographing discarded mattresses since the nineties, basically. Mm. Um, and I, I go through phases of it, you know, I go through super productive phases people call me all the time. People photograph them on their phones and send them to me and shit. Um, but yeah, I just had this weird I don't know. Like I, by now, I think I think my students think it's like some fucking weird fetish. But it really, it, it was really me just being having a new camera that wasn't um, it wasn't a reflex camera. It was like a it was like a camera where it was it was sorry, it was a reflex camera. So you didn't look through the lens; uh, you looked through the like the viewfinder, and it didn't. Uh, you weren't, you know. So there was there was a little bit of parallax. So to figure out the camera, I, I, I was like, I got to find something to shoot that I can shoot every day. And I tell my students this, like, if you want to learn how to be a photographer, find something you can shoot every day and just do it. And just fucking do it. Don't even think about it. Just fucking do it. And this was the mattresses. And then, you know, they pop up from time to time. And there's definitely been records. It was a series of Irish uh, records of the beat scene in L.A. that came out about 10 years ago. And all the covers were the mattress photos. Um, you know, like everybody was on there actually, you know, like Ross G, Kuma, Eric. Um, who else had record who else had songs on there? Daedalus, Lotus, I think was on there, Shafiq had one. 
But anyways, yeah, there were a series of 10 inches and all the photos were mattress photos. But yeah, it's by now it's kind of, but I also think, I know Assad's always counting me for that shit. So, <laughs> so, speaking, of, Whatever, so speaking of your students, I wanted, I thought this would be, I don't know if you've seen any of these, but uh, it says, uh, he cares about his students and is really funny, gives good feedback, conducts crit in a way that leaves none feeling awful about themselves. Classes are three hours, but his jokes and humor make time pass fast. Have you seen, have you read it? Have you heard of any of these? These are student no. reviews of your class. Um, oh, you you went on rate my professor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're terrible. Oh, you're terrible. I was like, let me see what these kids are talking about. Um, so, okay, so- no, that, whoever wrote that, like they they wrote like so. I don't know if you know how this works for us, but like when you teach. At the end of every quarter, um, the students get an email that's a pretty in-depth uh, series of questions they have to answer about basically rating my performance as a professor. You know, was the class what you expected? Was did you did you learn anything? Would you recommend it to your friends? What was he like? Was he prepared? Was he not prepared? And of course, you know, this is fucking kind of challenging shit. You know what I mean? Because well, yeah. like you have weeks when you're I mean, I have weeks when I'm on, but I also have, like, especially in the middle of the quarter, there'll be a few weeks where it's like, yo. <laughs> a little rough. <laughs> I don't want to be here, you know, kind of weeks. Totally. Um, I usually, that's when I lean into the films, you know what I mean? I always have a couple of good films up my sleeve. Like, I know this will rock their shit a little bit. That'll, that, that's enough. But somebody, that's worded very like uh, one of the reviews I got last quarter. Oh, really? That's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I look. I I I think if you want to teach in an art school, you have to be able to do critique well, right? And I think you have to be honest, mm. and you have to have some integrity with your students, and you have to be your authentic self somehow. Right. Like, I remember when I first started teaching, that was the best advice I got actually. And it was a guy. It was a guy from the music school. Uh, his name is Kamau Kenyatta. He's amazing, amazing teacher. But he said, "There's no substitute for authenticity." Right. And I was just like, That's- it just made me feel free to like, just be you. Yeah. It's okay. And so I cuss and I tell jokes and I'm myself. And if I want to talk about Palestine for 10 minutes, I probably will. Or if I want to talk about, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. And, and, and that's know, how I knew. Died. B, that's how I knew you haven't changed because I was like, who, who wrote some of the lower scores? And they were like, you know, sometimes he goes off on tangents about like, his politics. I was like, oh, hasn't mm-hmm. changed, hasn't changed. Oh, no, and I mean, you know, I'm teaching in San Diego. So, you know what I'm saying? When I teach some of them big general ed classes, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. They find me. So I've, I've had people say, like, I thought he's supposed to be European. <laughs> oh, word. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. So the next question, it says, who is the most fascinating musician and or person you met in your travels? Okay, that's a lot of travel. So maybe top five if you have to. And this is by the amazing previous word to your mama guest, DJ Mona Lisa Murray. Oh, Mona. God, I love Mona Lisa, dude. <laughs> is there any... Anyways, <laughs> Mona, Lisa, Mona Lisa posted something this morning. I laughed my ass off. Anyways, Mona out. is amazing, amazing person that I'm always happy to see. That's a very difficult question. Um, I'm. I think I'm Wayne Shorter. 
I only met him very briefly. Wayne Shorter has one of the most, had one of the most extraordinary minds I think I've ever come across. Banksy is one of the most extraordinary people. I just, I'm thinking of people that have, that really rocked my shit, like to the point where I was like, I spent a while with them, but I was just like, holy, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Badu, man. Badu is really, I, that's a kind of difficult one in the sense that like, it's very difficult to put your finger precisely on what it is about Erica that is so mind warping. But I remember the first time I photographed Shabba Ranks. And I remember Shabba Ranks come in the room and it was the first time I ever seen somebody where it was like the entire room changed when they came in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's okay when somebody come in and like the first person they meet suddenly lights up when they start talking to them or something. But this is before they talk to anybody. It was like a vibe. The entire room changed. The vibe changed. Badu has that. Badu carried that with her in a way that's. And we're friends, you know. I mean, I I I, I rate I rate old E man. She's an important person. Um. <sighs> That's hard, dude. I mean, there's people that I met that I was just like so profound. Like, you know, I met Shuggy Otis. I met Jolly Hooker. I met Biggie. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I've met people that I'm just like, whoa, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but from I'm, I'm trying to talk to people that are like really a, a very special kind of intelligence. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a hard question, dude. But you named some know. good ones. That's fascinating. That's definitely yeah. fascinating. Next question. What is your favorite Dilated People's album cover and why? And that is by <laughs> your friend of mine, Rocket Taylor. One third of Dilated People's. Um, <laughs> good one, dude. I think. Yeah, I think I would have to say the. Okay, so like, here's the thing. Um, I think my favorite photo of Dilated Peoples was made for the second record, the one we did it at, um, which is called Why Am I Space on the Name? Which was, which was, we made it at LAX. Mm. Um, but, but the platform, as far as the actual cover itself, the platform is kind mm. of still, yeah, just one of those ones. But I mean, I I photographed them when they weren't even dilated people. <laughs> when they were flatliners. Yes. Even if I don't even know if they were flatliners. Yeah. Were they turnstiles? You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? Like yeah, I, you know, yeah, it was in yeah. that moment where right. they were like trying to figure it out. And you know, and I mean, I know Rock. I I, I how long do I know these guys? How like, did you meet even... them? Who did you meet? Who did you meet first? And how, where was that? So I met them both, I think, at the same time at the old hip hop shop on Melrose in like nine, right when this was all starting, like 1991. Wow. And you know, the, maybe the beginning of 1992. And, um, and they were both part of Rocksteady. And I'm not even sure that they had even started to, wow. you know what I'm saying, mess with each other yet. And then, 
and I know that for sure because I, I have photos of it. But then, you know, it wasn't, you know, I mean, I, I met a bunch of people at the same time. So, I, you know, I didn't know that's who they were or whatever. So, you know, I met Rhett then as well at the same time. <laughs> but, um, but then I remember uh, in the sort of mid-90s, um, Jessica Clark, who was the manager of Cypress Hill at the time, mm. who was working for Happy Walters, who was the manager of Cypress Hill at the time, um, had a place in Venice. She used to live in Venice. And I remember going over there a few times to hang out or whatever. And she telling me about this, her neighbor, baby Mike. And then for a good <laughs> few years, I knew baby Mike as baby Mike. <laughs> and it was Mike. <laughs> Ev, you know what I mean? Hilarious. So, yeah. So, I've, yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've and, and Rock, Rock was always one of them dudes. And then Rock was always the cat that was, you know what I'm saying? I always felt like Rock was the conscious one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was always the one that was engaged and, you know, so that was always, uh, you know, you know, and it's, it's, it was just like a big group of friends. You know what I mean? It was like the Soul Sides dudes <laughs> and the Jurassic dudes and then dilating them. And even Al, like, was always there on the perimeters, but like I didn't really, you know, I don't yeah. say I never really, really, really hung, hung out with Al. But if I ever see him, it's always it's like the old friends. Yeah. yeah. But um, so then to have the opportunity to work with them, especially in that period, you know, like, yeah, that was very special. And Brent, you know, Brent is Brent a Rollins. fucking amazing guy. Like, and I, all those album covers I've done with him, you know what I mean? Like, and, but it's, it, it you know, it, like I've been trying to get Eric to understand, like you know, because he's always like, whenever you show up, the edits just get better. Like we didn't touch the computer. It's like, dude, as, even if I'm just in the room, if I say nothing, you're gonna see shit differently, right? And I, and I think that you know, the, and that's the kind of measure of a good creative relationship, I think. And me and Brent, you know, Same. did so many things over the years, from rap pages to all those record covers, that it was just like you know. He just had a different set of eyes from my photos than I did. And, and so that's how it would be. You know, sometimes you, he had this really strong idea that he wanted. And, and, then, and then I see it and I'm just like, mm. and then, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, um, you know, those, those were very special times. I, I, I remember that stuff very fondly. And then, you know, working with Babs afterwards and even seeing Mike become a photographer. It was just I crazy. Know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's funny that you, you know, what you said about how, how Coleman, shout out to Coleman, how he's just like, you come in, it's cause like you guys respect each other. So you, you challenge each other. It's like, you know, uh, game recognized game. And you know, what do they say? Steel, sharp, whatever, you know, like. Steel, sharp and steel. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> you're around each other. And, and so as a as a creative you know that's what i do that's what rocket does and we've evolved after so many years but he, i'm i feel so fortunate that he's here he's like whatever project i do i always show it to him right and i and right. i hate because of the dynamic because we're married too is there's like an extra level and i hate when he says something and i'm not seeing it because i think my shit is so fucking dope Right. And I and I'm not seeing it at the time. And he says it and I was like, he said it just to spy me. And then and then the moment of realization that that motherfucker was right <laughs> kills me sometimes, you know. <laughs> I turned the ego down a little bit. 
Totally, you know. So yeah, I I, I get well, that. That's art school. I, I mean, what I would say is one of the things that that art school, especially in Ireland, which was very brutal, but um, that was one of the things that they really, you know, they they really leaned into was that you just stop being precious about your shit. Yeah. Don't you know? Just let it go. Let it go. Right. If trust the other person to that, he ain't gonna tell you something. You know what I mean? He ain't gonna. Now, okay, there's going to be times when, well, what, this is the deal. You at least got to try it my way. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. look at the two. Yeah. Then A, B it. A, and B then it. be honest. Right. And then if it's, you know, I, 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 <laughs> man, I love it when, when someone shows me some shit that I didn't see. I mean, I was just fucking great. Thank you for catching me. Exactly. That that's, that's what it ends you up being. Me. But sometimes yeah. I was like, God damn it. You know, but. Oh, I, I see you gritting your teeth. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> like that like, motherfucker. You know, I mean, it is in the end. You know, we we are really only. You know, we are really only as as a, a measure. We're only as good as the people we carry around us, bro. Like, that's it. That's why you know I, I mean? only want quality motherfuckers around me, real motherfuckers, quality motherfuckers, and stuff. Because yeah, it's you, you want to know me. Look at the people I'm around. You know, no, that's what I'm saying. my tribe, my tribe is dope. Okay. Uh, final question before we go into this other round. Um, if you have time, what are you currently, this is for me. What are you currently nerding out on as far as like, could be anything, movies, music. Like I'm interested, like what, what is B listening to that? You're like heavy rotation. It could be old, new. What, what is that right now for you? Well, my whole, I blew out a, Blew out a few engines there over the summer on this whole Supremes thing. So that's what I've been. I haven't made a feature in. Yeah, it's been 10 years. I mean, I've done it for other people. But as far as something just completely out of my brain or whatever, like I haven't done that in 10 years, you know, since Timeless. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Since Timeless. So I've been, that's what I've been doing really is. Um crazy enough reading and consuming everything to do with 1981 in Ireland. That's what I've I've been doing for the past 12 months, pretty much. Um, As far as music, I don't know. Like I, I think if you went through my, uh, my streaming business, you'll find I don't know. I've, in the past sort of 12 months, I've gone through phases of listening to George Duke, of listening to just Japanese jazz, of listening to Irish rap, of which the city I'm from is fucking killing everybody right now. As I'm far as I'm just concerned. check that out. Yeah. I, there's somebody you should definitely check out who I've been working with and who's in this film and I've made a film with as well. Um, there's a young MC from Limerick. Uh, Called Denise Chyla. Okay. And she's really, she's something else, man. She's some, some special shit. She, it was, I was happy during the summer. She got a chance to meet uh, Anna. Oh, nice. Because um, I was a real, you know, I was just happy to just sit back and fold my arms <laughs> and watch him just laughing and be like, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, it's not so bad. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. When I go down the rabbit hole, I go pretty hard, dude. So, like, if you look at all the books, you look at my Amazon fucking madness over the past 12 months, it's 
yeah, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about what it was like for me aged 15. Wow. Was, this film is about the Supremes. Um, the Supremes, Mary Wilson, basically, was the other two Supremes, the original Supremes anyway. Had, uh, Florence had died. Florence Ballard had died. And Diana Ross had obviously moved on. Um, I guess by that point, Diana Ross was about to start working with Nile Rodgers and have this whole new career. But Mary Wilson was still hanging on to the name, fighting with Barry Gordy, and was trying to tour. And um, they found their way to Ireland. I don't know why. Um, they were stuck. And in Ireland, they uh, they were robbed in Limerick, my hometown. Oh, and it's it's a it's a kind of a mad story. Um, but I uh, I I Kamau Kenyatta this guy who teaches in a music school here at UCSD when I when I first came down here he he, he asked to see me and uh, I went to see him he was looking to collaborate with me to have me do photos you know for some projects he was working on or whatever and um, we started talking and he was like you know I I see you're you're from Ireland you know like what city are you from and I was like oh, I'm from Limerick and he was just his face changed and he said I was robbed there once and so it turned out that he was the he was the piano player up. in the group and he kept a photo diary. So, and I was, that's when I was like, oh man, I've been looking for a, I've been thinking for a long time about making a film about Ireland in the eighties because obviously that's where I grew up. And then there's a lot of things that I, you know, I felt like I needed to revisit that I, that I could help actually now kind of unpack. Right. And so this was like, here's an opportunity to. Man. How crazy! Yeah. Again, another moment. Someone but like, you, 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 you. It's like a frequency. Like you have to be, yeah, pay attention, right? Listen very carefully to be what's being offered to you because the universe is showing you, like, at every moment, it's telling you, like, yo, that's where you should be going. It's up to you to listen, right? Do you know what I mean, I, I do believe that. So, yeah. But anyways, yeah. So. That's, That's what amazing. I've been working on for the past three years, yeah. So you've been working on the past three years. You're working hardcore. You were over there this summer. When is it? Are you in post? Where It'll are you be at? Out. Yeah, we're like 80%. One of the singers just showed up just yesterday, which is crazy. Um, so I have a call in to her. Hopefully I'll get to talk to her. But we're like 85 90% done with shooting. Post's supposed to start in November. Got a pretty decent sized grant from the Irish Arts Council Dope. probably get another grant now from UCSD and hope, hopefully February we're done I'm hoping but we put a band we put a band together um we really yeah man it's, it's been it's been a pretty wild journey I've never done anything like this before I would say that's that's the best way to stay young dude right to do things that you've New never done shit before. yeah hell yeah novelty they call it yeah. Just do novelty. So, Dope. Yeah. well, I'm excited, you know, to to hear the see hear the full story. Um, since you've answered a lot of questions, it took a lot of your time. There's only two questions left. One is, yeah. what is your go to hype song that you always go to when you need like some motivation? <laughs> um, there's a few, dude. Um, Give me two. And and the situation, like, what do you need? Like, this is for when this is happening, and this is when I need this. So, 
if I'm feeling homesick, I'm either going for uh, Christmas in New York or uh, Listum Varna. One is by Christy Moore and the other is by the Pogues. That's if you can sit with me and drink a pint of Guinness and hear that song and you don't see a little tear appear <laughs> somewhere, then something's you might want to take me to the hospital. Um, um, then there's so like any of the songs by Doom from before. Uh, the album that that album came out. So, like, there was three twelve inches by Bobito that was put out by Bobito on Fondlem. One of them's Greenbacks. The other one is it's not all caps. What the fuck is the name of it? I'm space on it. But there's three of those. There's three twelve. So after Doom passed, I don't know, man. That was that was one that really that that hit really really hard. I mean, there there's been a few that have hit hard, honestly, since right. since. I feel like since 2020, we've all been, you know what I'm saying? We've had to confront the notion of our mortality in a very serious way, in a way that I wasn't familiar with prior to that. Like, obviously, I, I mean, Dilla, right. Dusk, right. you know what I mean? Dusk, but like, yeah. this was like, it seemed like for a while, it was like week to week to week to week. And and as part of, I, I mean, the Doom, the Doom one, I don't know what it was about Doom. Doom was always one of them dudes that was like, you wanted to win mm. because he just had the other narrative. He had the, you know what I mean? Like I, uh, this Irish website asked me, you know, like, who's your favorite MC or whatever? And I, I said, oh, I have to say Doom. And I was trying to think, like, well, why is that? Right. And then, um, and it's, I think when I first was listening to hip hop, I feel like KRS-One's biography was emblematic in many respects of the music and where, where, where it was in that moment as somebody as a raised in an orphanage, you know, homeless looked yeah. after by somebody who ends up developing him as an MC, you know what I mean? To channels, all this Jamaican energy, it just felt like his biography somehow was emblematic of the culture. Right. And then somehow the period of my involvement in, in, you know, like when I came to LA, I don't know if it was the very first show I went to, but it certainly was the first one or two shows I went to was I went to see De La Soul play at the Palladium. And like, look at this lineup. It was De La was the headliners, brand Nubian, KMD. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And leaders of the new school. Wow. Well, that's it. I mean, you know what I mean? You went to see hip hop. Yeah. That was it. That was it. You know what I mean? It was like, could you see hip hop? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then somehow, oh, and then the best part was, was that when I was leaving, um, there was a shootout in the front, uh, in the front of the Palladium. And it was between Booyah and Tone Loke's people had a shootout. (laughs) So you can imagine what that looked like. Wow, that was hip hop. That was hip hop. It was nineteen ninety, bro. Like September nineteen ninety, I think that was. That was hip hop. That was L A. All at once. All in one experience. You know what I mean? You couldn't have paid for it, but I mean, I paid for it like twenty bucks. (laughs) Wow, you know, I just experienced. But um, and somehow Doom 
you know, in everything that happened, you know, like going through the whole era of being censored and losing the deal and losing his brother and going to Atlanta and going underground and then coming back with a, yeah. you know what I mean? When those, when those records on, when Bobito put out those records, dude, like, you know, like that, that, that really, that was the Fat Beats era, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it was just, those records were just unfadeable. Like those are just, you know, in the same way as we, you know, you think about Dilla, but there's something about Doom energy wise. You know what I'm saying? And the like time that, that he came out, like that time, yeah. it, was, it was all those factors. And, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that that any any of those songs will get. You know, I mean, that's that just gets me on my shit. I'm just fucking. I'm ready to go now. I'm we're ready. Let's. All right, what do we got to do? I'm ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I try to do it. At, that's the other thing is like to be able to do things. I mean, and that's that's always been the thing is like no matter what it is that you do. No matter what it is that you're given an opportunity to do, just do it as absolutely as t- tough as fucking level that you could possibly do it at. And, you know, that was, that's doom. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, that's that shit. And so for me, that's a good, it's a good reminder. Yeah. You know, first freestyle fellowship to whom it may concern. Do you know what I mean? Like that shit will get me giddy always. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm, the, I'm, a, I'm on nostalgia shit. But as far as some, I don't know. As far as some new shit, that's funny. <laughs> Denise has a song that I fucking love, which is about Limerick, which is about my hometown, which is called 061. That's pretty. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, that'll get me fired up. Um, that's that's unquestionably get me fired up. But uh, yeah, man, it's a weird thing too. Like, uh, it's also the town that the cranberries are from. Mm. So. There's a bunch of Cranberries music, but it doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't reach me in the same way. I'll sing it. Right. But, it, you know, it doesn't reach me in the same way. It's weird. It's weird how, how uh, like, yeah, it's weird how emotionally music, for whatever reason, will reach you in, in different ways or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's not, different ways at different times of your life. Something that maybe yeah. wasn't even tapping you maybe it was like oh that's a nice memory and then later it's just like oh my god like yeah i don't think i don't think christmas in new york was that big of a deal for me when i lived at home but then when i came here i remember the first few christmases i didn't wasn't able to go home and i hear that shit <laughs> and there's something about like yeah i mean this immigrant stuff right right i mean you know i mean i i, I don't i don't think people look at me and the first thing they think is immigrant but yeah. That is the reality yeah. that I live. You know what I mean? I, I I do feel differently when I'm there. I do. I I do. You know what I mean? I, I hope I have the chance for all my friends to see me there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That would be dope. That would be really dope. Yeah. It's different. It, you, you see a different frame, you know? So. And everyone but, said, everyone, you know, Rocker loves it there. You know, my best friend, her family adopted me when my mom passed away in college. And, you know, they're half Irish. Uh, they're from Cork. Um, and also from Butte, Montana, which they told me was is really big. And it's like you're a celebrity if you're from Butte, Montana and you go to Ireland. So they told Butte, me Montana is the I mean, Mike Davis, who was my professor, said it's the most Irish town he's been to outside of Ireland. I've never been there, but I a guy, a, a writer I respect from from my hometown, actually, Kevin Barry. We had a very long conversation about it. And yeah, I was shocked. Because I think normally people think about Ireland 
I mean, Irish, the Irish in America, they think about the obvious places, you know, like the Bronx, Chicago, Boston, Boston. yeah, even San Francisco. But Butte is a weird thing. That's kind of like Newfoundland, which is just like, you know, is so isolated as a place that they kind of kept to themselves. And then the culture kind of stayed in an interesting way and kind of, you know, in, it's not Irish American. It's more Irish. It's more Irish. Which is, is a real difference. Yeah. Right. It's a real, that's a real difference, you know. Because Irish American, for me, to be honest with you, um, was something I moved away from, actually. Mm. Even like saying it like that. But when I first came here, a lot of the Irish Americans that I met were very conservative, actually. You know, like, and I, right. you know, I mean, we notice about ourselves, too. Like, we, we're well capable of all the foul shit, too. Do you know what I mean? For sure. I mean, there's a book. I remember uh, Organic. I don't know. Did you ever meet Organic? Kevin Fitzgerald, African-American filmmaker from here, but Irish in the family. And um, yeah, he showed me this book called How the Irish Became White. And mm. it's, yeah, it's the history of that. You know, it's the history of how we switched our position on abolition, basically. Wow. You know, because we, we, you know, Fre Frederick Douglass came to Ireland. You know, Frederick Douglass escaped the United States and came to Ireland. and in the end, the Irish in America kind of sold them out. Wow. Yeah, man. That I'm going to take a note of that book. Thank you for those songs. They're going to be added to the Word to Your Mama guest hype list song. I always put them to the front. It's four hours now. I think it's the first time. For sure, it's the first time the Pogues are on there. And I'm excited to put everyone that you put on there. I, I Maybe the first time MF? No, I think there's a... MF Doom song on there. Right, let me give you the specific. Maybe I'll pick a specific MF Doom song, so we so it's not like the whole all of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you can give that to me. And you know, I, you know, I met the Callahans when I was in college, and they took me in, and I went to Auntie Peg's house. She lived in Lakewood. Rest her soul. And there was a big. Uh, it was like a knitted thing of Butte, Montana. And they were telling me how their family was there. And it's like Ireland, outside of Ireland. And during those times, they would make the money from mining and send money to Ireland. And so shout out to to Patrick Callahan. That's my, you know, my best friend's uh, father. He's he's a, a supernatural bear. It's his grandfather um, by by heart. And he said he, when he was able to travel, he'd go back and he'd wear his Butte, Montana shirt free drinks <laughs> like and just like celebrity oh, no. status like for those that know and i, I thought it was fascinating i would have know never that. known that if i you know didn't have their family to me you know so did they did you ever talk to them about the brigada san patricio i did and and because i knew about that because of a book that i had read i think in college so hell yeah like oh and he's married to a lot like you know uh, the supernatural bird's grandma, she's Latina and Navajo. And I was like, yes, that makes sense. And you know about the Navajos too? <laughs> yes. You know about the Navajos during the famine? Yes. Any money to Ireland? Come on. That's man. what I'm saying. It was like all meant to be. And I was just like, wow, this is, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. So. Yeah. It's very nice. You, you they would be lovely for them to, to have the opportunity to see the monument there in Ireland. They built to the, to say thank you. Basically, right. Uh, but that's what I mean. That that that's those are the stories that define us. You know what I'm saying? Right. Let's get let's get fucking Howard's in on this shit. Yeah. Let's, that dude. unite and, and shake the yeah, shit up. Man. Have people get shook and stuff. Oh, man. Hell yeah, that's what you I'm know, talking about. Let go of these 
triumphalist narratives. These, you know what I mean? It's this right. fucking idiocy, man. What are you triumphalist about? Look at look around you. Look how much hunger, poverty. Look at the fucking healthcare system. Look at the educational system. Right. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is a joke. This is a joke. This whole notion, this whole American exceptionalism. It's exceptionalism nah. for what? For what? Nah. How whack it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Right. Fucking program. But anyways, sure. Final question before I let you go. Yes. What is your? Yes. What will be your legacy, B? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at thinking about that type of shit. I, you know, part of the... Part of the gift, if it is that, for me is to stay as absolutely grounded in the present as I possibly can. And so, you know, and I, I've lost, I don't know if I've lost friends, but I've definitely lost relationships over this shit. But so I'm terrible at like, what's your five-year plan? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> get to next week right you know what I mean? <laughs> like, tomorrow get to tomorrow tomorrow yeah <laughs> you know um so the legacy I, jesus i don't know what i would say is like i think what sustains me is this is that somehow the way you do this um is is as important as the some kind of goal you know what mm. i mean like that you know there is there is a way to walk this path there is a way you know these are incredibly treacherous and difficult places in many respects um that we walk you know the politics of representation have never been more fraught with difficulty the the complications around talking across race, gender, you know what I'm saying, have never been quite as complicated as they are in this moment. But that's why it's important to be steadfast, be careful, double down. You know what I mean? Not double down in the sense of like, you know, backing yourself up when you're wrong. Right. Totally. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, which is often how people say double down, but double down in the sense of like, yeah, oh, like I know this is important now. And as difficult as it is and as thin as the work might seem sometimes or the money might seem sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It's, this is important to do this. So, you know, when I read a student saying something like that or when I, you know, I have a colleague reach out to me and tell me, you know, you've always been a North Star for us, that kind of shit. Like that's, you know, that's more than plenty, you know, that, that sustains me. Right. Whether that'll last after, who knows? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. You know, like, have I kept this whole archive together carefully enough to where it lasts and where my sure. daughter will be able to take care of it? I don't know. You I know what I mean? So. I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? I think so. so. But, uh, but I mean, it's, yeah. Thank you for affording me the opportunity to even think about it for a second. So. <laughs> well, oh, muchísimas gracias. I've taken way more of the time that, you know, you allotted. So I really appreciate it. Let people know where they can find you, what's coming up, whatever you want them to know. Easiest way to find always is uh, mochilla.com. You know, just hit the contact or info or whatever. Any of those you know, connects in there, you can find us. Or um, mochilla on M-O-C-H-I-L-L, -L, gringo spelling, <laughs> dot 
you know, on the gram or be pleasel, which is be please, P-L-E-A-S-E and an L on the end. Um, you can find me on the gram and, uh, yeah, just, you know, be out here, dude. It's all good. <laughs> happy to be, happy to be seeing you. Same. And all this will be in the show notes. I'm going to have links to all his shit, everything we talked about. Um, I'm definitely going to need to ask you for that book. Um, the, yes. the white, which was it called? How the Irish Became White. Yes. Like I need that. I want to get that for. No native. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to get all up. that stuff and stuff like that. So yeah. Muchisima gracia. And you know, we really, honestly, we talked about almost two hours. We could have talked five hours. We didn't even touch upon so many things. So, you know, if you're down at another date, we'd love to have you on and just talk about like, you know, Whatever. super other things. So muchisima gracia. Please. Uh, yes. Likewise. And please. Uh, Give a hug to the uh, the two other the two dudes at the crib for me. I will. Thank you. All to the good. And now introducing the supernatural bear corner. Supernatural bear. This song goes out to all the people who love yams. Hit it! Can I get to the yams? Sweet yams. Show me the way. Cause I got bills to pay. Shoo dooby doo. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. That's B plus. B plizzle. How crazy is that? I mean, the amount of stories we didn't even get into. This is kind of like a Questlove Supreme. Like this could be like four parts because we didn't even touch about so many different things. And I learned so much in this convo. You know, uh, I said it in the beginning. I said it in the episode. You don't talk to your friends like this, right? It's interesting how you can be around people for mad years like over i met b what 2000 like over 20 years ago when i first moved to la and i was in like deep into the activist scene i was first time living by myself in la i just graduated college at long beach state came up to LA, was living by myself, was going to all these events and just making my way by myself. You know, I was interning at the uh, world famous wake up show. And then I was going to all these events solo. Also, this was the time kids when there weren't that many women at these hip hop events. So if my homeboy Dave couldn't roll, then I'd be rolling solo. And I was in this mix and so that's how I met B. I think I might have met B before I met Raka or around the same time. But one of the, you know, talking to re-listening to this episode and having conversations about about these times reminded me something about B B plus. You know, I met him at a Mumia 911 event, like I mentioned, and I love his 
photos from Jump and what he was doing. He was, you know, really, really telling a story. Like I could tell from Jump, he was a storyteller. But anyways, I'm around all these people, movers and shakers, and I'm I'm the new kid on the block. And we, I was helping with the Art Speaks, and that's how I mentioned how I met Jasbo. And I met a lot of people through this activism work. And I remember I'd go in there and, you know, I was in the offices, you know, putting this event together. It was like 2000, 2001. And I'd never done it before. But I just, I don't know. I just knew what to do because for me it was common sense. So anyways, I remember I think B plus came into the office or he called and I picked up the phone and he said something to me. And I remember it, it kept me going. He was like, thank you so much for, you know, joining, you know, midway through or something like that. And, you know, really energized, like your enthusiasm, your energy really has, you know, picked everyone up because it was just, you know, I think when you keep doing, I don't know what it was, but I remember one of the things, and we, and we talked about it on here before, is that figure it out, figure outness, right? Figure it outness. And I remember I went in and something happened. I don't know, the piano player dropped some something happened and I remember I was just like okay let me just call around this is like internet had just was the thing it wasn't even like uh an all-day thing like it wasn't like oh let's just google that shit and smartphones there was none of that shit I think I still have my trio uh, back in the days so I remember I just called just called around and there were I'm not talking about b plus now I'm talking about just people in the office they were like amazed they were like have you done this before? And I was like, no. They're like, how did you know what to do? I go, I don't know. It just, to me, it seemed like common sense. <laughs> common sense. But anyways, that's how far we go back. And it's fascinating that, we, you know, I get to learn so much more. I was having the convo when I was editing this with Rock, and I was like, did you know? He was like, what? He goes, I didn't know that. I go, exactly. You've known him longer than I have. And you didn't even know these little, you know, tidbits and all these Areas where where so many things cross. Like he was living in the mission up in San Francisco in the mission area, mission district, the same time as my rib. Same time as people that are my family now. And you know, who's to say? Maybe they crossed paths, maybe they didn't. It's just it's wild to me. It's super wild. But I'm just super grateful that we have people still around that contribute so much to this culture and I just had a conversation earlier today with with someone that was saying you know how much hip-hop really impacted their lives during a, a crucial time a pivotal time in their life and I was like yeah I always say hip you know music saved my life but hip-hop saved my life and to be able to speak to so many people that have really been integral part integral part of this is is amazing i know i'm blessed and uh yeah we just keep it moving so as always gracias for supporting us you know all the different ways you can support us and a lot of them are free leave us a review tell your folks tell your peeps tell your friends you can buy us a whiskey at buy us a coffee 
All this, all these links I'm, I'm talking about right now are in the show notes. You become a patron, as you heard in the promo. And um, yeah, just, you know, spread the word. Let us know what what's what's going down. We're wrapping soon to be wrapping up 2023. And I got some really good, unique episodes coming up with some experts uh, for, for different reasons that I think are really going to help out the community and, I, you know, I want to know the feedback, you know, hit us up, DM us, e- email us, uh, whatever, smoke signal, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I hope if you're listening to this during the holidays, I hope you and your loved ones are safe. And I hope during these heavy, heavy fucking times, you are still taking time out to decompress Go in, you know, be introspective and then be be with the familia because I know that energizes me and that reminds me of why it's so fucking important to keep going. Yeah, that's it. Before I get into another rant, this is already a hella long episode. So, yeah, you guys want to go. Okay. And as always, we reap. Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritzy P. Intro Beat, produced by Nico Beats. If you want to know more, you want to email us, you want to get the media kit, go head over to wordtoyourmama.com. Word to Your Mama is now part of the Latina Podcasters Network. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritzyperrywinkle.com. Make sure to follow Word to Your Mama on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you stream your podcast, or download the Latina Podcasters Network app.